Ooh, got to do a lot of editing there. All right. Um, Sorry. <laughs> Hold on. Edit out, Courtney. <laughs> Please put out edit where Kara said the hunky mailman. I don't know. <laughs> You're listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McKenzie, homeschooling mama of six and author of The Read Aloud Family and Teaching from Rest. As parents, we're overwhelmed with a lot to do. It feels like every child needs something different. The good news is you are the best person to help your kids learn and grow, and home is the best place to fall in love with books. This podcast has been downloaded 7 million times in over 160 countries. So if you want to nurture warm relationships while also raising kids who love to read, you're in good company. We'll help your kids fall in love with books and we'll help you fall in love with homeschooling. Let's get started. We're back with another episode about a book a day. This is what we've been talking about over the last several episodes. And RAR team members, Courtney Garrison and Kara Anderson, are back with me today to get really practical. Kara, do you want to recap a little for anyone who hasn't listened to those last few episodes yet? Yes, absolutely. When we read a book a day, our kids reap the rewards of being exposed to a lot of different genres and types of stories. They also get a ton of practice rooting for the underdog, visiting places far different from their own day-to-day lives, and growing in empathy and compassion for others. Yeah, and just think of all that connection. Reading a picture book a day is time well spent because I'm pretty sure that not a single one of us will say 20 years from now, you know, I wish I read fewer books to my kids as they were growing up. (laughs) So one of the myths we're hoping to debunk with these episodes as well is that picture books are just for younger kids. Court, do you want to speak to that for a minute? Sure. We talked about that more completely in episode 180. That episode is all about reading picture books with older kids and teens, how to get them on board, what to read, why it makes a difference. We've got a book list that goes with it. So if you have older kids or if you have younger kids who are quickly growing into older kids, you don't want to miss that episode and book list at readaloudrevival.com slash 180. Great. Okay. So in today's episode, we're going to tackle several questions about the nitty gritty practical stuff related to reading a book a day. So let's just jump right in. Okay. So our first listener question is, When you're doing a book a day, do you plan in advance what you're going to read, or do you just grab what catches your eye that day? Okay, I guess what I would suggest is asking yourself, what's the easiest way for me to read a book a day consistently this week or this month or whatever? You know, give yourself a little space just to ask yourself that question. Because if for you, having those books chosen in advance and planned out would make it easier, then do that. You know, but If you are less likely to do a book a day challenge because you're waiting to assemble, you know, the quote unquote, just right book list or make all of the titles dovetail with the calendar or the seasons or what you're learning about or anything else, then that's not making it easier for you, right? So in that case, picking a book in the morning, maybe while your coffee or your tea is brewing, just taking, you know, two minutes to skim your shelf and pick something is a good way forward. Oh, I like that. Using that very small container of waiting for the coffee to brew and making the decision right then. And you might even be able to 
beforehand, if you go to the library regularly, you could pick up a stack of books while you're there, keep them on a shelf or a basket, and use that time while the coffee is brewing to pick one for the day. You could also work through any of our book lists. We've got recommended books for every month of the year. My personal favorite is the March list. I feel like every one of those books is a winner no matter what time of year it is. That book list that we made for the last episode, picture books that are especially good for older kids and teens, that's another great place to start. You can also put books face out for your kids to choose. We have an episode about putting books face out. It's episode 104. But this means you're choosing which books to display, but then your kids get to choose what to read that day. And that can be a fun way to get everyone involved in deciding what to read. You could even have each of your kids take turns. And I, yeah, lo- I like that. I love that so much. At our house, we're kind of a little trashy. <laughs> I don't put the books <laughs> on the coffee table or facing out beautifully on the windowsills. I just make a pile on the couch <laughs> and it works like a charm. This is so good. That's such a good reminder that we don't need to be fancy about this. You don't need like special face out bookshelves or something or like an Instagram worthy setup. It's really just about putting books face out because the covers will appeal to our children. They'll draw them in as an invitation. I think any way you look at it, just making sure we're not getting too legalistic about any of this, right? The, The key question here is what's the easiest way for you to read a picture book a day with your kids. However you answer that, that's going to be a really good path forward for you, whether that's reading at whim or planning it out in advance. That's such a good way to look at it. That's such a good way to look at so many things. I know. <laughs> Whatever is the easiest way, don't put up stumbling blocks for yourself. Before Just you even get started. Path. Yeah, really good. Okay, let's move on to the next question. This one comes from Amanda. She left us a voicemail. Hi, Sarah. My name is Amanda. I have two little boys. My oldest is three. He'll be four in a few months. And my question comes after I've just listened to your interview with Dr. Hutton. I am so encouraged to just read more picture books with my son, even though I feel like I am ready to move on to novels or something a little bit longer. But I find that right now it's more difficult to just have access to the library to new picture books. And so we're reading the same ones over and over again. And I'm wondering if we're still going to get the same effects on the brain while we read the same book over and over and over again, even if it's practically memorized. And then along with that, he loves Richard Scarry's. We have his best story book ever, which is essentially a treasury of a bunch of his golden books. And in that a lot of times I'm just pointing to things and naming them or he's pointing to things and naming them. And so do you think that books like that are going to have a similar effect on the brain as reading a picture book would in that he's building his, his knowledge, his vocabulary, his bank, as you said, and I appreciate your time and I'm so thankful for all you do. Bye-bye. Ooh. All right. A two-parter. Let's start with the first question. Does rereading have the same benefits on the brain as first reading? Sarah, you want to take this one? Yeah, I think, Amanda, if you haven't heard episode 141 yet on why rereading is possibly the best reading, you just might enjoy that episode a whole lot. There are actually tons of benefits our kids get from rereading that they don't get on the first read of a book. So the short answer, I think, is yes, rereading the book is just as impactful on the brain and significant for the brain as reading it for the first time and actually possibly more so. Yeah. This is the 
research on this is just kind of crazy. There's a study that you mentioned in episode 141 that children are actually more likely to retain knowledge of vocabulary if they're exposed to words through repeatedly reading the same book than if they're encountering those same new words in a different book. That's kind of amazing. Basically, new knowledge, better vocabulary are academic gains that all kids get from reading or hearing a book. But rereading the book really makes the retention of that vocabulary go up. Yeah, I mean, I think this is even more powerful when we remember that, generally speaking, we'll find the best, most beautiful language in picture books. They tend to be crammed with beautiful language, like poetry, right? Even more so than chapter books and novels. So if what we're going for is higher retention of knowledge and vocabulary and all that good brain stuff Dr. Hutton talked about in that episode, choosing picture books is going to pay off big for us over longer works. And then rereading those picture books is going to solidify everything and sort of take it to the next level. There's more to rereading too. Actually, that's one of our most listened to episodes, episode 141, why rereading is possibly the best reading. So have a listen to that one if you can. And there was a second part of this question. It was about Richard Scary type books and are just pointing at pictures and naming things basically. Is that helpful? What do you have to say about those, Sarah? Oh, my kids loved those. And I will admit that as a child, I remember adoring Richard Scary, but as an adult, they're not my favorite books to read. <laughs> Probably because I don't enjoy the whole point and say kind of reading experience as much as my kids do. But I do think there's a few things these books in particular offer. I think they offer a really wide vocabulary because as you're pointing to items and you're naming them, I mean, that's a vocabulary building experience in itself, right? And they're just delightful. Every kid I know seems to love these kinds of books. I know all six of my kids have loved these kinds of books. And the other benefit that I think these books offer in particular is that you don't need an adult to read them the whole time. So I'll often grab these these uh, Richard Scary books or other books like them, when I know we're going to be waiting in a waiting room at the dentist office or at a soccer game or outside the ballet studio or something, because my younger readers who may not be able to read on their own have always been able to enjoy them, even if I can't sit and read to them at that time. So I think they have a place and I would value them and keep them and, and let my kids love on them. I mean, I wouldn't only read these books, but Sure doesn't sound like that's what you're doing, Amanda. So I don't think they're subpar in any way. They just offer something different. Yeah, Richard Scary is sacred at our house. We still have my husband's copy from his childhood of Busy Busy World. It's been taped up again and again. <laughs> I sort of approach reading Richard Scary like reading a wordless book. Hmm. So it's pointing at what you say, but I, I think there's more there. There's more to see. There's jokes, there's recurring themes, there's characters. We just talk about what we're seeing. And so even though they might not have the same sophisticated language of a narrative, more poetic book, they offer a lot to a young reader. I was just thinking as we were talking about those, that when my kids were younger and we were working on Spanish, we read a lot of books that were similar to the Richard Scarry layout that were vocabulary building books with themed pages like that. So I think that goes back to that too, building vocabulary. Yeah. Yeah. Like food, like in French or whatever, right? Or, yeah. yeah. Where, where it's all in a context that connects it and makes mm -hmm. extra sense yeah. to help reinforce those ideas. So here's another practical question. This person asks, when do you suggest that we do this book a day? 
Is there a time of day that is better than others? What do you think? I think whenever it's most likely that you'll do it. (laughs) Again, we're kind of coming into that idea of how can I make this easy? How can I make it possible that I'll get to this consistently? For me, I know that if I read earlier in the day, that's better because I'm fresher earlier on. My kids tend to be less cranky earlier on in the day. Once it gets to late afternoon, um, it gets a little chaotic. I've got teens involved in activities. The neighbor kids are home. you know, So it just seems less likely that we're actually going to get sit down and read together the later in the day that it gets. And we can do a bedtime read aloud if we need to. But, you know, as big of an advocate for reading aloud as I am, I don't usually read bedtime stories anymore. I just let audiobooks do that because I am tuckered out by bedtime. And I really want to enjoy reading aloud as much as my kids do. And I do not enjoy it when my number one goal is to get those kids out of sight for the rest of the day. So for me, earlier in the day is better. But again, it comes back to that question. When is it going to be easiest for you with your current schedule and your kids' ages and the season of life that you're in, right? This just this week. Don't even think about it like big picture. Just this week or this month right now with what you have going on, when's the easiest time for you to do it consistently? Yeah. One suggestion that we often give around here is to pair reading aloud with a snack or a meal because we're already feeding our kids probably multiple times a day. So pegging the read aloud time to a time that we already know will happen, mealtime, that's an easy way to sort of remind ourselves of what we want to do. Yeah. Here's another voicemail question. This one comes from Allison. Hello, Sarah. This is Allison from Missouri. We enjoy your podcast. And I was just wondering if you could give me any recommendations for picture books about vehicles. I have a two-year-old boy who loves trucks, trains, planes, you name it. And I'm running out of ideas. So I thought I'd put that bug in your ear and see if you can give me any more. Ah, my favorite kind of question of all. Can you recommend any books for a kid who loves... I mean, I just love that question, no matter what it is, <laughs> however that sentence ends. Um, I'm pretty sure we can help her out. An obvious sub- suggestion to me, the one that comes to me first off, which you probably already know about, is Goodnight, Goodnight Construction Site. And there are some spinoffs by that same author and illustrator that are worth reading too, like Mighty, Mighty Construction Site and a few others, I think. I just thought when we were listening to that message of a book that you introduced me to, Sarah, is it Sheep in a Jeep? Oh, yes. Would that count? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> if that counts, Allison, I know that, that, that your family's a big fan of that one, Sarah. Um, yeah, by Nancy Shaw, and it's just hilarious. There's a whole series. That's the <laughs> one that has a vehicle in it, but they're, yeah, they're really fun. <laughs> um, and of course, we mentioned Richard Scarry earlier, and he has a book called Richard Scarry's Cars and Trucks and Things That Go. That is one of those point and say kind of books that um, kids keep looking at for a long time. Candace Fleming and Eric Roman, they're a husband and wife team, and they have a couple of books that also might be of interest here. One is called Bulldozer's Big Day, and the other one is Bulldozer Helps Out. And those were both pretty big hits with my twins when they were young. They were super fascinated by diggers. <laughs> Let's see. What else? 
Oh, we had these board books from Chronicle Books. One was called Motor Mix Flight, and the other was called Motor Mix Emergency. They're like board books that were divided into three sections, and then you flip through like the top, the middle, or the bottom section to make different things that go. And my twins loved those. They got a lot of love in our house. So Motor Mix is what you want to look for. We'll put those in the show notes. Oh, I bet that two-year-old is going to go crazy for those. Little Blue Truck is another favorite by Alice Shirtle, and there are several spinoffs of that one. Oh, and If I Built a Car by Chris Van Dusen, which was really fun, has really fun rhyming text as well as fantastic illustrations. And then the classic Mike Mulligan and the Steam Shovel is always a favorite, and there's a really good audio version of that one accompanied by the London Philharmonic that was made by Maestro Classics, and we'll put that one in the show notes too. Oh, and we always buy Freight Train by Donald Cruz for families as a gift for new parents because we love that book so much. Okay, but we should probably stop because we could (laughs) keep going and make this whole episode about transportation books. (laughs) We will put all of these titles in the show notes so you can find them at readaloudrevival.com slash 181. Okay, next question. This listener writes, Can you talk about the investment of money picture books are? It can feel indulgent to spend money on something we're going to be finished with in 10 minutes. Ooh, this is a good question because, you know, picture books give a good return on investment. Lots of bang for a small investment of time. But what about the investment of money? I mean, plunking down $17 for a 10-minute read? Even if I'm going to reread it, that's a lot of money and it feels like a valid hurdle. So what do you say about this, Sarah? One thing I think we should keep top of mind here is that stories don't really deliver value as a per word investment, right? <laughs> uh, War and Peace is not worth more than Pride and Prejudice. Some of us might have the opposite opinion, <laughs> in fact. <laughs> Even though War and Peace is four times as long, right? Okay. So a picture book is probably 500 words or less, maybe a lot less, but you're not paying 18, 20 bucks, whatever, where you're not paying for 500 words. Because I mean, you could get 500 words for free on the internet anytime you want them, right? Instead, we're paying for something else. We're paying for a memory, an experience. We're paying that in hopes that this book will offer poetry of language, richness of art, an immersive story, and an opportunity to connect and to rest and to enjoy each other and the world a little bit. So this opportunity to expand our minds and our souls. And that's kind of a lot that we're asking for 20 bucks to do when we look at it that way, right? But that's what we're paying for when we spend our money on a picture book. And then we can consider as well that if it lives on our bookshelf and it becomes one of our child's favorites, then it's also becoming a childhood companion that they'll never forget. Just like we don't forget the books we loved as children. So we're paying for that picture book once. And then that book is delivering all this richness over and over and over again with every repeat read where, like we mentioned earlier, you know, those benefits are actually going up every time. So I think my hunch here is to say that, you know, we're all obviously limited to the number of picture books we can purchase. And that's a good thing, actually, because rereading is so beneficial and so helpful. And we we want some books to become our kids, you know, best childhood friends, best childhood books that they really remember, the ones that they really treasure. So those books are worth investing in our home shelves. And we we just don't want to tell ourselves that we're spending, you know, 20 bucks on 10 minutes of time because that's not what we're doing. Um, that's not really true. We're getting so much more than that. Ah, okay, that's good. I I love the War and Peace, Pride and Prejudice 
$20 for 500 words. That really kind of changes how I'm thinking about it. Maybe it's worth thinking too about how we choose which books to buy and which books to borrow. Way back in episode 19, the women who write at Aslan's Library, they said that there are some books that are just house guests. They come, they stay for a while, and they're gone. So those are books, you know, like from the library or from a little free library or the thrift store. But there are others that you want to live with. Those are the books that Mm. you purchase. So in our family, we borrow from the library first. And then if we're borrowing again and again, we'll consider buying the book. Kara, in episode 178, you mentioned the Maple Hill Farm books by the Provincens. And we have loved these books for years and years, but we don't own them. We just get them from the library. Well, after you reminded me of the books, I had to take the plunge and I put it in order so that we can have them forever. I was thinking our books of the week are cream of the crap, right? So they are great books to own. So if you're looking for a gift for a child you love, or you're thinking you'd like to start adding some books to your home library, those could be a good place to start. They're really sort of a collection of read aloud revival favorites. Books of the week for those listeners who aren't familiar. There are a series of recommendations I did a while back while I was I was choosing one excellent book to highlight each week. That, that was really fun. They're very short videos that go with it. They're about 60 seconds. And we've got those all collected on the website. So we can link to those in the show notes. And yeah, those are great books to own, I think. And as well as the books that we choose for family book clubs at RAR Premium, those can be great books to own as well. Because we always choose those family book club books with an eye for, you know, best of the best type quality that make them really good to add to your family bookshelves with an investment if you can. Really good to revisit often. And those are the kind of books that you want to be, like you had mentioned, um, Courtney, that you want to live at your home instead of just be house guests. And of course, as you were saying that, I was thinking, and there are those books we bring home from the library that we need to usher out early (laughs) because they're staying too long. (laughs) It's like that that Ben Franklin quote, fish and house guests uh, start to (laughs) go bad after three days or something. What is it? Okay, well, it's time to wrap up. So let's share a picture book that we've liked lately before we go. Who's going to go first? Me. I want to go first. I always want to go first. (laughs) Okay, so the book I wanted to talk about today is called A Splash of Red, The Life and Art of Horace Pippin. And this is, surprise, surprise, a picture book biography. (laughs) This one's written by Jen Bryant. She also did the picture book biography about a Louis Braille called Six Dots. That's like my nine-year-old's all-time favorite picture book ever at all. Like she just absolutely loved that book. So this is another one that's written by her. It's illustrated by Melissa Sweet, who's one of my favorite illustrators. She uses these amazing collages to do a lot of the storytelling. We're going to read this one in RER Premium this fall. So we're going to make a family book club guide to go with it and get to meet the author illustrator. Very excited about that. Yes. Very excited about that one. Okay. I've been waiting to share this one. There is, it's not new, but it's newish to me. It came out in December, 2019, but our library was shut down for forever. So it's like all these books are brand new, you know? We first saw the first book, Madeline Finn and the Library Dog at the American Library Association Conference a few years ago. Do you guys remember yes. that? We got to meet the creator, Lisa Pat. I actually remember you gasping when you saw the, when you saw the cover. 
<laughs> I know because, okay, yeah. Um, so there's Madeline Finn, The Library Dog, which was the first one. And it was actually one of those books of the week that you talked about, Sarah. And that one just, I guessed because my daughter was part of a read to a dog program through our local library for years. And it's actually, I think, how she learned to read really naturally, sort of with that pressure lifted of having to perform, you know, which we talked about in the last episode. So there's Madeline Finn and the library dog. And then the next one was Madeline Finn and the shelter dog, which of course we also volunteered at an animal shelter. So that one, it's like these books are just (laughs) made for us. And the newest one is Madeline Finn and the therapy dog. Oh, I haven't seen this one. I don't think. I know. I know. And it's so, it's so good. If you have a dog lover or if you're just looking for a sweet, empathetic book, oh, the whole series is just so good. They are really, really sweet books. Ugh. I want to tell you about a new picture book that was translated from French called The Night Walk. It's written and illustrated by mm. Marie Dorleans. It's a very simple, lyrical book about a family waking up in the night and going for a walk. It's sort of a companion piece to Night Tree by Eve Bunting or Owl Moon by Jane Yolen. This story is full of magic and expectation, and the ending is perfect. I read it with my 12-year-old sort of reading over my shoulder and we were silently reading it together and as we got to that last page we both were sort of like, oh, we just let out a breath like oh, just a perfect perfect ending. Okay, well let's hear from the kids and find out what they've been reading lately. Now it's time to hear from the kids. They'll tell us about the books they've been loving lately. My name's Anastasia. And how old are you, Anastasia? Four. Where do you live? At Washington. And what is your favorite book? Daniel Tiger, No Red Sweater for Daniel. And what do you like about it? Because you get a new sweater. My name is Stylus. I am seven years old. Where do you live? Oh, yeah. Ferndale, Washington. And my favorite book is Amulet and Zee the Skate Girl. I like Zee the Skate Girl because it's funny and adventurous. And I like Amulet because it's adventurous. Bye! Hello, my name is Hannah and... I'm six years old and I live near London in England and my favourite read aloud book is The Faraway Tree and um, my favourite thing about it is at the top of the tree there's loads of magical lands. Bye! Hi, my name is Michael and I'm from Cedar Rapids, Iowa and my age is 10. I like sugar gliders. The book Sugar Glider is it because they're super cute. Hi, my name is Catherine, and I am eight years old. I am from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and I like The Princess in Black. I also like the series. I like them because she can change her identity from person to person. It's so fun. Hello, my name is Obi Walker, and I'm six years old, 
and I'm from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And my favorite book is All Better. And this is why I like it. Because there's stickers, plastic stickers that you can actually take off the book and then put them on the hurt animals. And I really like it because it's really fun to look at. Hello, my name is Daniel. I live in the we live in the state of Minnesota. I'm six, and my favorite book is Winnie the Pooh. What and what I like about it is that Pooh is a bear, a very small brain, but with a large heart. My name is Winston, and I am nine years old, and I live in Michigan. One of my favorite book series is Dragon Rider by Cornelia Funke. I like it because it has a lot of dragons and a lot of mythical. Hi, my name's Micah, and I'm six, and I live in California. My favorite book is *The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe*. It's the best series in the world. Hi, my name is Coralie, and I'm ten. And my favorite book is *Where the Red Fern Grows*. And I like it because the book really shows the connection between the boy and the dog, and I really just like the how the way that the author writes the book. And I'm from California. Hi, my name is Rosie, and I am nine years old, and I live in San Diego, California. And my favorite book is *Ember's End*, and it is the last book in the Green Ember series. I like it because. The characters will go against their pain to help their friends. Hi, my name is Demi, and I live in California. And my name is Demi, and I'm four. And my favorite book is Tessa Island. Hi, my name is Demi. And I live in California, and my and my name is, and I'm four. And and my favorite book is uh, is um Frog, Pog, and Tug, Frog and Tug. Hi, my name is Annie. I live in San Diego, California. I'm six, and my favorite book is Pippi Longstocking. I like it because she's funny in the book. Thank you, thank you, kids. Excellent recommendations today, as always. Remember, you can go to the show notes at readaloudrevival.com slash 181 to see all the books we mentioned in this episode and to find all the printables and helps for your picture book a day. Ask yourself the question, how can I make this easier? And then go from there. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back in a couple weeks with another episode. In the meantime, go make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. So many of us feel overwhelmed in our homeschool. There's a lot to do, and it feels like every child needs something a little different. The good news is, you are the best person on the planet to help your kids learn and grow, and home is the best place to fall in love with books. 
I'm Sarah McKenzie. I'm a homeschooling mother of six, the author of Teaching from Rest and the Read Aloud Family. And I'm the host here on the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This podcast has been downloaded over 8 million times. And you know, I think it's because so many of us want the same things. We want our kids to be readers, to love reading. We want our homes to be warm and happy havens of learning and connection. We know that raising our kids is the most important work of our lives. That's kind of overwhelming, right? You are not alone. In Read Aloud Revival Premium, we offer family book clubs, a vibrant community, and Circle with Sarah coaching for you, the homeschooling mom, so you can teach from rest, homeschool with confidence, and raise kids who love to read. Our family book clubs are a game changer for your kids' relationship with books. We provide you with a family book club guide and an opportunity for your kids to meet the author or illustrator live on screen. So all you have to do is get the book, read it with your kids, and make those meaningful and lasting connections. They work for all ages, from your youngest kids to your teens. Every month, our community also gathers online for a circle with Sarah to get ideas and encouragement around creating the homeschooling life you crave. They're the most effective way I know to teach from rest and build a homeschool life you love. We want to help your kids fall in love with books, and we want to help you fall in love with homeschooling. Join us today at rarpremium.com.